Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. What does Tom Cruise think, asks no one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy. I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. And we have two guests today, and I'm going to ask them what years they were born. <laughs> and they don't have to answer the truth if they don't want to. But we have Brooke and Tess, sisters from Psych Legal Pop is their podcast. So let's start with Tess. Year you were born, Tess. 1973. Okay. Brooke? And I'm Brooke. I'm the oldest. I was born in 1969. Oh, okay. Good. So both firm Gen Xers. Yes. Good. Very much so. Yeah. And Tess, you and and I are... Bordering. (laughs) Well, you're... You're, we're claiming you, Brooke. You're ours. <laughs> um, Tess, you and I are solid younger siblings. Mm-hmm. Yes, very mm-hmm. much so. Mm-hmm. We get it. Mm-hmm. I see what's going on here, Amy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so today, guys, we're going to look at um, the new Hulu documentary, Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields. Oh, is that the name of it? Pretty yes. Baby, yeah. Brooke Shields? Yep. Okay. Now, Right off the bat, I just want to say Brooke Shields was not that much of a thing for me because she was born in 1965. I was only three when Blue Lagoon came out because I was born in 77. So, like, I never saw Blue Lagoon, certainly never saw Pretty Baby. I remember the Calvin Klein ads. That's, like, that's when she too. first yeah. came into my zeitgeist. Did you guys remember Blue Lagoon and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. 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 Big time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, because I was like 10, 11 or something when that because so she's four years older than yeah. me. So, yeah, yeah, she was 15. So, well, it's like 11. You, sh- you share a name, Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's another thing. My whole life, people would ask me, oh, are you named after Brooke Shields? And it's like, no, like she's only four <laughs> years older than me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes. Um, most of, I find that a lot of people in our generation are named after soap opera stars. Really? Like, or characters. Yes. Run into yeah. anybody named Lisa from this time period, and they're probably named after Lisa Marie Presley or Lisa Mitchell on As the World Turns. Really? <laughs> what is it? Where is the evidence for this claim? It's anecdotal. <laughs> I have maybe six Lisas in my life. And where, they, where did they Jennifer come from? I mean, that's. 
Hmm. There's there was a, there was a Jennifer on the Edge of Night. Hmm. But I feel like I was already like ten when that was out. Yeah, I don't there's know. There's a Jenny. lot of there's a lot of Gen X Jennifers. I remember being in school. There was like Jenny A, Jenny B, Jenny C. Yeah. Right? Like there were so many Jennies. It was unreal. Jenny, what were you? Dark Jenny? Oh, oh God. Jenny X. <laughs> there was a group. We, I had a group of four friends. We were all Jennifers. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. Mm. Yeah, mm. but I I don't know. I maybe this is the age part that differentiates us. But I remember Brooke Shields being such a big part of. My life, and when I finished the documentary, I watched it yesterday. The first thing that I wrote down was that she was such a—I mean, for Gen X women, she was such a big part of our lives. And when you watch the whole thing, you're like, "Wow, yeah, I really did go through a lot with her." Like yeah. I remember—I don't remember Pretty Baby, but I do remember Blue Lagoon because mm-hmm. that movie came out when you know everyone was getting like play—I mean, uh, HBO. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, mm-hmm. ooh, you know, and she was a this young, beautiful girl with dark hair. There weren't a lot yep. of like beauties with dark hair. True. And um, and so she was in these movies and then she went off to college and that was like, oh, wow. She went to Princeton. Didn't and even know she, didn't know she went to that. Princeton. Mm-mm. You didn't know. And then when she came back out. It was, um, and then, you know, dating Michael Jackson, you know, all all of these things. (laughs) And then Andre Agassi. And I remember when she was on Suddenly Susan, like all of these pieces of her life by the end, I was like, yes, I went through all of this with you, Brooke. I remember all these moments in time. Yeah. Yeah. So I I felt, you know, I felt a real kinship (laughs) with her the whole time. I think I felt that more with Pamela Anderson, just because even though Brooke Shields and Pam Anderson, I think are around the same age. Pamela Anderson like didn't really become famous until I was old enough to to know it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I, yeah, I knew the later Brooke Shields. Sure, like I remember Andre Agassi, which I was like, oh my god, I forgot all about that. Like, yeah. where is he now? Is he still around? I yeah, haven't heard about question. him in forever. Oh, he married Maybe the other dead. tennis. But he he married uh, Steffi Graf. Oh, he did. Do we have That's a right. right. Okay, so. Okay. Let's start. We ready? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the first point I have is we open and learn a little bit about Brooke's mother, Terry. So I want to talk. I want to spend some time talking about Terry. Yes. So she got Brooke involved in modeling at 11 months old. And we hear that uh, the parents are divorced. Mom did not want to be a 50s. So when we're first introduced to mom, it's like she was bohemian and fun and she didn't want to be held down by my dad and she was like you know she didn't want to be a 50s housewife and he wanted her to be and um but then later we find out that mom was an alcoholic and tess correct me if i'm wrong (laughs) brooke was parentified oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so what did we think of mom mom had some issues i i was surprised i was surprised that there wasn't more about mom and I understand why. I mean, I, I, you know, this was her, this was her documentary. So I understand why she didn't want to spend so much time talking about mom, but I could imagine her entire childhood, her entire life um, until her mother's death, her life was about her mother. Absolutely. I mean, just, I didn't know she and Laura Linney were friends. That's, yeah. that was a little bit of a surprise. I love Laura. <laughs> that was number one. 
<laughs> I was thrilled to see Laura Linney here. Yeah. I didn't, I had no idea, but yeah, I mean, that, that is a very, all of those things they were talking about when you have a parent who's an alcoholic, that's, that's your life, right? How are they going to be? How are they drunk? Are they not drunk? It was so unbelievable. Like that her mother thought this was okay. And everyone else thought it just blows my mind. Like to sexualize your daughter to like such a degree at such a young age because she was supporting them. I guess part of her bohemian lifestyle was she didn't yeah. want to work, you know, yep. and she wanted, she wanted yeah. Brooke to work and make all the money. And it was just, it just like makes me sick to my stomach. I don't know how any mother could just sit there and she's always sitting there next to her in these interviews while people are asking her about her virginity and stuff. And she's just sitting there. Doesn't even protect her. Oh my god! I think the mother is a really complicated figure. Like yeah. she, she clearly had some kind of trauma or abuse in her background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, but what I also think is interesting is that like she takes a lot of the blame for a lot of the early sexualization of Brooke Shields when there was so many other people involved in society in general. Like that yeah. whole court case. Mm-hmm. The nine-year-old naked pictures, that was mind-blowing yeah. um, and infuriating. Jenny, that's a good segue into my scumbag list. At the top <laughs> of it is Gary Gross. Oh, my God. <laughs> like th- that, I mean, a lot of how I felt through this documentary, too, was kind of a little bit of relief in that some of these things would never happen today. Like, mm-hmm. this yeah. this guy would be in jail for child mm-hmm. pornography today. Oh, she, yeah. He, is he still alive? He should be in jail for child porn. Rizzoli published that book. Yeah, I, I'm perplexed. That was in my notes. What I don't understand is even though he won the case and though those are technically his photographs, how can you publish naked photos of a nine-year-old? Right. Like, why right. is that not against how, the how law? You, yeah. How, that's not child pornography? I don't know. It understand. definitely is now. I don't, I don't yeah, know of course that. it is. I don't know what the laws were in the 70s, but... Uh, because it wouldn't surprise me if if it was legal then and it just recently yeah. became illegal, honestly. Yeah, and the only reason he won that court case is because the mother signed off on her participating in that project. Like, you signed off on it. Right, she would have had to sign a yeah. mother release for him to Yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. Um, I agree the mother's complicated, but I also struggle with these parents who... Like, I guess the mother was also a victim of and internalizing the misogyny and the sexual nature of women and stuff like that. I mean, that doesn't make what she signed off on okay. Right. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. And where was her dad in all this? So she talks about that and she says, you know, when I was growing up, like when I was with my mom, it was fun and it was free. And when I was with my dad, it was like order and structure and rules and i'm thinking that's the home you should have lived in i think but it's weird because mm. she says the fathers like at their house they never talked about any of this controversy yeah. or anything that brooke did which is super weird and equally dysfunctional in a yeah. weird way i mean that's then the that creates all the too. shame yeah because the dad could have i mean he was a parent too so the dad could have stepped in at some point and said you know mom's an alcoholic i you know I don't agree to this. I mean, that's the other part of it is how can Terry just sign off completely on what Brooke is doing without the father co-signing? She must have had custody. That's the only thing I can think of. 
Yeah. So, I mean, she must have had full custody, I guess. But he would still have rights. Yeah. Right, Brooke? So- Brooke's a lawyer. <laughs> well, right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but he obviously didn't exercise them. And also, again, this is the 70s. It's hard to believe. It doesn't seem like that long ago. But, I mean, the 70s is when women couldn't even get a credit card. Have credit cards. You know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> without their husband's permission. So, you know, the, the child custody and divorce law and stuff was probably very you know antiquated compared to now so yeah but uh, he yeah. yeah he he chose to do nothing he chose basically and yeah. he he because he went on he remarried and had another family and i think that was right his focus of course it was and those um, kids seem kind of close to brooke's age like it, it seems like it happened fairly quickly after yeah the stepsister who participates mm-hmm. or half sister mm-hmm. is pretty close um so she does Pretty Baby at the age of 11, where she is kissing a full adult male, Keith Carradine. He's 29. At He's 29. 29 years old. Now, for those of you who know my rage over Almanzo and Laura kissing, Dean Butler was what, 23 or 24, kissing um, Melissa Gilbert at 15? This is oh 10 God. times worse <laughs> and 10 times more enraging, earning both... Keith Carradine and um, the Lewis Mall, the Lewis director Mall. of Pretty Mall, uh, yeah. the spot on my scumbag list. Yeah, that's well, fair. Like you're you're making a, a a movie about the red light district in New Orleans, and you cast an 11 year old. Like, it's not okay. Well, my mom brought up and reminded me that Jodie Foster also played yeah a yeah, prostitute and, um, when she was like 14, prostitute, yeah, yeah. taxi driver, yeah. yeah. I thought Pretty Baby was based on a book that, and, and that was a true story. It was based yeah. on a true yep. story. Mm-hmm. So it really was this 11 or 12 year old girl who lived in a brothel with her mother. And then, of course, we have Susan Sarandon, who, you know, plays her mm-hmm. mother, who, I mean, who is now what kind happened? of a feminist icon. Like, yeah, like, where is she to stand up there and say, like, this is not okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but they all, he- they all, um, they hid behind this idea of this is this thing really happened. We're artists and we need to tell this tale. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. well, do you, you know, you could tell us, you could, or you could you cast could somebody older to play old. somebody slightly younger, but you could also do a documentary mm-hmm. and bring attention yeah. to it. And yeah. And, or maybe not make the film or yeah. Find someone who's 18 yeah. and who looks uh, very, very young or maybe not do it at all. Because does this story really need to be told? Like, <laughs> truly. Maybe. And But what happened was, right, everyone went after Brooke when everyone went after her mom. And nobody went after Keith Garradine nope. or Louis Mall Because Louis Mall is a French artiste. And he just went, you know, bebopping along. And that was the problem. But yeah. Brooke, you, you, I, I'm curious, though. Do you feel like because of mom's alcoholism that she kept that because she was drinking that she kept making like poor choices for Brooke Mm. or that if she had was sober, she would made better choices, smarter choices. No, I, I think she would have done it regardless because Mm. I mean, drink, I don't know, drinking. I mean, these are major decisions and what she's allowing. I, I mean, she was sober some of the time. I mean, you know, she just, no. I mean, in her, in her sober moments, couldn't she have said, Oh God, wait a minute. Like as she's seeing like what's happening and she's just being mm-hmm. more and more and more sexualized. 
Well, no, what I, I wonder is, was she an alcoholic like before Brooke was born? Or is this something that kind of she got, you know, engaged in that culture when mm. she was on movie sets and hanging out with celebrities? And like, did that come after? It seems like it was happening when Brooke was young, but like yeah, how yeah. young? Yeah, because Laura Linney talks about it when they were kids. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Mm-hmm. Well, but I mean, Brooke started her career at four or two or something. 11, so, months. 11 months old. 11 months yeah. old, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one, I mean, but also, like, what is the perspective of bad decision here? Like, she became a superstar. Mm-hmm. So, like, the mother might have thought the decisions she was making were That was good great. For Brooke. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. Like, she was right. succeeding. And, I mean, you know, she was a huge star. That right. is true, too. I mean, and that's the, that's, it's a good question of like, was mom always a heavy duty drinker mm-hmm. and you know, it, that's just how it was. Or did mom become a drinker because of the fact that, right. She didn't really have to work besides showing up to these sets because right. that's always the byproduct of having a kid. That's a star is you do need to, sh- you cannot have a full-time job. If your kid right. is a working actor, you just can't. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the problem. And you do have to be your kid's manager. You do have to take some, you know, you just can't. You, it, that's always the problem is these parents, their kid becomes their whole world because you cannot go to an office and drop your, you know, drop your kid off at a set right. and then go to right. an office for eight hours and then come back and pick them up. Well, and it, it, doesn't speaks, work like that. it speaks to your point, Tess, that we need, we need more info about yeah. mom. Like yeah. we need to know mm-hmm. that that needed to be a, a mm-hmm. special unto itself <laughs> about these two. It also seems like she really projects a lot of like the stuff she missed or wanted onto Brooke. And, and like Brooke even says, when she talks about how her mother talked about her, she's like, she saw me as this amazing star and I was going to be this thing. And, and I was hers. Like she mm-hmm. uses that type of language to describe mm-hmm. their relationship, which was telling, I thought. Yeah. So then she goes on to star in blue lagoon. She's 13. Um, the director of Blue Lagoon is the dude who did Grease, Randall Kleiser, I think his name is. He's on my scumbag list now <laughs> because he said, um, you know, this was very realistic. Like it was almost like a documentary. You were seeing her go from girl to woman. Oh, God. On set. <gasps> Gross. Mm. Well, um, and- I didn't see that movie, like I said, but you guys, you remember yeah. when it happened. It's it's really not that great of a movie. I think it's we're a having terrible a, movie. It was a terrible yeah. movie. It wasn't very good. I think she. I don't think she was thirteen. I think she was fifteen. Oh, she was okay. And the guy was okay, But yeah. um, you know, just to go back to that to the pretty baby stuff. What I thought was really interesting and what they talked about in the documentary was how up until this point you know, women and what beauty was, was Marilyn Monroe, Sophia Loren, yes. right? Very voluptuous uh, women. Herbie women. Mm-hmm. And and there was this idea of the stay-at-home wife and this is what your role is to be nurturing and make, make meals and stay at home and be submissive. Mm-hmm. And you were either the submissive woman or you were the temptress Marilyn Monroe. And you can be one or these two things. Mm-hmm. And then the women's movement came about and that that was the same time where people men i would you know media movies started sexualizing young girls and i yeah. had never made that correlation before yeah because women so were saying interesting yeah women were saying that no, we're not going to conform to your ideals of beauty and mm-hmm. we're going to dress differently and we're going to do that and they said okay well we'll replace you with little girls yeah right you know, and it control. wasn't just brooke shields yeah they showed all these clips of how yeah they just started focusing on young girls. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because I think at that time, women were rejecting, like, we had been trained to, and still are, I think, to an effect, to trade on your looks. That is that is the currency that you trade in as a woman, and a whole bunch of women rejected that. So mm-hmm. then they just projected that onto kids who they had control over. Wow. Yeah. So then she gets the Calvin Klein ads, and mm-hmm. she's 16, and in one of the ads that they show, she's she's really using, like, a baby voice. And she's saying, like, when I was a child, I used to, and she's, you know, going through this dialogue, and then she's talking like a child, and then she says, but now I'm ready for Calvin's. And she, like, it really infantilizes her, because she, like, sucks her thumb, and, like, Mm -hmm. looks like a child. And Diane Sawyer asks Calvin Klein at some point, (laughs) don't you feel weird using young teens? And he says... I'm a bad boy. What can I say? (laughs) He's on the list, guys. He's on the list. Surprise. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I do remember those ads. Like they were a thing. Yeah. Yes. And I think that was the first time I really remember her being, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was huge. Those were, um, yeah, those I were sold a nothing, lot of jeans. <laughs> yeah, nothing gets between me and my Calvins. I mean, yes. I remember that was the thing. That was, yes, you know, but, and again, right, it boosted his sales by 300%. Mm-hmm. And he could go and say, well, I'm just a bad boy and he makes all this money. And then what happens? Is she making all this money? No. Nope. No. She's no. beaten up for it. And then mm-hmm. her and her mom are going on talk shows and let's all smack her around a little bit and then back to business. Yep. So the next, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I just seeing the commercials again, I was just like, well, these are good commercials. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, well, these are kind of clever. You know, I, they are, right? I mean, she did look beautiful. Sure. I mean, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And if she was 20, mm-hmm. maybe. But I was like, God, mm-hmm. this is like my girls are 16. Yeah. And I'm like, I would have driven down there and punched Calvin <laughs> Klein in the face. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Um, Another entry onto my scumbag list is creepy male talk show hosts, which have never gone away from my Mm -hmm. scumbag list. They make it every time. And one reads a horror. So like you guys mentioned, many of these interviews are her and her mother sitting right next to her. And one guy, I don't know who it was, reads a horrifying description that somebody wrote about her mother to her. So he's like, Brooke, what do you think of this article describing your mother as this horrible hag of an old woman and brooke is like uh well and the mother's sitting right there and brooke's like well um you know she has allergies and that's why her skin is sometimes dry it was so weird but i think what they were getting at with the documentary is this is the point where the public started to talk about the mother's alcoholism right Mm, i think so i yeah i I thought that was truly bizarre um, and then one talk show host says, I'm going to have a really hard time thinking of you as a little girl. What the hell, man? Yeah. And like, you can almost hear him opening uh. his spank bank and putting her in there. <laughs> <laughs> it was so gross. So gross. Oh, God. <laughs> so then we get to the Gary Gross, who, like mm. I said, is number one on my scumbag list. And yeah. he took nude photos of Brooke and they they showed them in the mm-hmm. documentary. Like, obviously you know, blurred mm-hmm. out or whatever. She was nine years this, old. This guy would be in jail today. Mm-hmm. And 
I wrote, holy shit, Rizzoli's published this. Like, Rizzoli is like a classic New York publisher. Like, what yeah. is going on here? I, I still, I'm so confused by all of this. Why is this man taking nude photos of her? What was the point of it? What, why do you need nude photos of her? Why? I, I, I still to this day have no idea why you need this. It was don't. some kind of art. <laughs> and what they were doing was they were showing a young girl in older woman situations. Right, Jenny? Isn't that how he described like his? Yes. Yeah. I'm, it I'm was just a... looking quick to see if there's anything about him. It was well, just, that's just a made up. Yeah, that was a made up excuse. Mm-hmm. He's just a pervert. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. all so these men like, are. Oh, pose here for lighting purposes <laughs> we're gonna put a woman in there later but be naked so we need you to like you know for lighting purposes i mean there was that made the whole thing made zero sense and then did you see the they would show you from the deposit like the trial transcripts and some of the questions they were asking her oh, like yeah well you enjoyed taking the photos didn't you, you want to like, be a sex kitten unbelievable yeah unreal mm-hmm. just unreal like you enjoyed being raped right you enjoyed no. that it was fun like what were you wearing <laughs> jenny did you find anything on gary gross He's dead oh good there wasn't <laughs> there was Mark's a whole lot from gary gross on the controversy <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, he's, he won he's, the thing, and that was it. I don't, I don't know when he died. He died in 2010. Well, I hope it was horrible. And yeah. he, his, his, his claim to fame was he ended up specializing in dog portraits. So, uh, yeah. oh god, uh, he doesn't, he does not deserve to take pictures. What of dogs. a loser! Yeah. So, so then she goes on to star in Endless Love with um, this is a Zeffirelli film. Mm-hmm. And Zeffirelli, she's talking about this on the set. She, you know, has a love scene with this older man and she's not, she's still a virgin at this point and she's mm-hmm. not making like the proper moaning and ecstasy sounds. So he's twisting her toe and forcing her to kind of look like she's in ecstasy, but she's really in pain. And I, I feel like this was especially traumatic for her because when she's talking about it, you can see her almost crying talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. It could be tears of rage, which <laughs> I get. I get. Well, and didn't Zeffirelli, didn't he do the Romeo and Juliet, yep. the 1968? The famous and one. Yep. And aren't those people now pissed because they were underage <gasps> and naked and did some heavy duty sex scenes? And they're pissed. Wait, is there a Romeo and Juliet controversy that I don't know about? I feel like, did I make this up? But I feel like the Zephyr, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm imagining this, but I feel like the Zeffirelli, at least one of them, have come back around recently. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. That is the the seminal Romeo and Juliet film mm-hmm. adaptation that everyone wants. The 1960, yep. I want to say late 60s. I like yes. the Boslerman one, personally. Oh. <laughs> well, you're not an English major. <laughs> So Brooke says at some point, I felt in control and safe at work, but not with my mother as an alcoholic. So finally, mm-hmm. she decides she's going to have a conversation slash intervention with the okay. mother. And the mother went to rehab for Brooke, which, Tess, do you have yes. thoughts on this as a therapist? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, she finally has this intervention with mom and then, you know, 
mom does the worst thing possible, which is goes for someone else. And then what did, what did Brooke say? You know, mom stayed sober for what, a week, a month, you know, barely anything goes and Mm -hmm. publicly says I'm sober, but I bet you anything, it didn't last very long because mom never wanted to be sober. I mean, that was the problem. Mom, Mm -hmm. mom didn't see her sobriety as a problem. And I, I mean, I'm not here to blame Brooke, but it wasn't until much later that she was ever really, you know, she, she and her mom had a very classic alcoholic codependent relationship. I mean, Brooke made it possible for her mom to continue to drink, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, and it wasn't until she cut her off and really cut her off that she made it hard for her mom to drink, but her mom continued to drink. Yeah. So obviously her mom had some funds coming in to continue to drink. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And she says um, she went away to school and she, I just wrote, she got into Princeton. Like I had no idea that Brooke mm-hmm. Shields went to Princeton. Yeah. And um, she talks about one line she says that's really interesting is she said, loving an alcoholic, that's where the pain starts and stops. Yeah. I was like, Ugh, yeah. Um, but it was in college when a professor was talking to her about having her own hypothesis and learning to, to, trust her own ideas and intelligence that a light bulb went off and she's like i can kind of have my own voice in this world separate from my mother and that you know kind of starts to change that dynamic even though brooke wanted to go home and the mother said no stay there now my theory of that is she was telling her don't come here because i'm doing what i want you know Mm -hmm. like even brooke said she practically lived at a bar because i wasn't around but Brooke, it was interesting how Brooke framed it because she framed it like this big sacrifice that her mother made for her. And I thought, mm-hmm. mm, that's the alcoholic kid narrative coming yeah. into that, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that, I mean, obviously it seems to me just hearing her talk about this, that she has obviously done a tremendous amount of work and she's very much at peace mm-hmm. with her mom. And so the way she talks about her mom is is very different but yeah, she's, you know, she's changed a bit of the narrative, mm-hmm. I think, to make peace with her mom. So she doesn't hate her. Yeah. I know? think you have to at yeah. some point. Yeah. Because. Jenny, thoughts about Princeton? Well, I thought the, I, about that specific moment when the professor gives her the confidence to like kind of have her own sovereignty. They talk a lot about her having her own sovereignty and how she, she comes into that. And I think that's a theme with like women of our generation and, and definitely the generation, absolutely the generations before us, where there's this moment in time where like you're given that permission, like we almost have to get that permission from somewhere else. And I don't see that in the younger generations, which I think is really Mm-mm. awesome. Because I, I remember like when I was, um, you know, the job before I'm at now and I was a manager and stuff and, and I had become a director and you know, I went back to my boss and I'm like, I had just, I was only in the job, like in the director role, like a month or two. And I'm like, someone really has to be in here to make this decision. Like what's going on? And they're like, that's you. Like, that's you. (laughs) And and it was like, oh, like this is, you know what I mean? Like now I make real decisions like for, for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I, I was pretty good with that for a long time, but then like kind of to get to that next level of like, I can be a leader. I needed that little bit of like permission to do that or that realization. Mm-hmm. And I think even, even women with, with good confidence need that at a certain point to like kind yeah. of get to the next level. Um, but it's interesting because then, then we get into her book and that all that sovereignty vaporizes. 
Mm-hmm. So I think for women, it's such an evolution, right? I think men, it's, they're just, they're born with it. They're yep. born with it. 100%. Right. Like yep. right out of the gate. And, yep. and I say this all the time with my clients where all of my female clients are constantly just like, I don't know. I don't know why I got the promotion. Am I going to fail? Like everyone's going to think, you know, and my male clients, no matter what their age is, it's more of, I got the promotion. I know I can do the job, but you know, it's, it's, it's different. I think for women, it's such this evolution of, of you, you get your confidence up to here and then, you you know, okay, now I've got to move it up to here. It's just, and that's one of the things I like about getting older is I'm at, you know, I just find the older I get, the more I'm just like, yeah, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we'll Which figure nice. it out. <laughs> My, the, the Baris family motto in our family is how hard can it be? And right, who said that? Yeah. Who said that? Dad. Dad. Never that's mom. That's just always how he operated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he never thought for a second he would go into something that he wouldn't be able to do or figure out. Because mm-hmm. the world, especially if you are a white man, white boomer the, man, the world yeah. just bent you, to your will like you didn't have to do anything yeah. it just came to you yeah yeah crazy yeah we have, we have um, one of those dads <laughs> <laughs> so she writes this book and the publishers essentially write the first chapter for her and it's really surface level the only chapter that she has any kind of say over is this weird small chapter on her virginity which ignites this media storm which is bigger than uh, Donna Martin's virginity. They just want to know, like, who's going to take Brooke Shields' virginity? Like, it's really crazy. Mm -hmm. And she said that that was her mom's idea. Really? That chapter Mm -hmm. was, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's what I wrote down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're right. Once that came out, that's all anybody asked her. I mean, Mike, here we back with Mike Douglas again, asking her about her virginity in every single interview everything i mean i don't know how many years it yeah i don't know i remember that for that to go away but what's so crazy about that is okay so 10 years earlier we're all calling you a slut it's the madonna yeah Yeah, we're all we're all we all think that you're just you know trash Mm -hmm. and your your mom's whoring you out and now you're at princeton and you're a virgin and now you're the poster child of purity I mean, you got to love this country. Nancy Reagan got a hold of her. Nancy Reagan did get a hold of her. I was like, Mm -hmm. Nancy Reagan, you get away from her. (laughs) So Nancy Reagan gets a hold of her. And then, you know, we're clearly situated in the 80s here because then Mm -hmm. comes Michael Jackson. And I guess I don't I remember them hanging out. But again, I was young. So I don't know if I thought they were dating. But. Yeah. I don't this think anyone when... thought they were dating. Yeah, this was <laughs> yeah. a farce. I mean, Michael yeah. Jackson did this kind of stuff all the time. But yeah, it was just a joke. And he was saying they should um, have a baby together, adopt a yes. baby well, together. Is, yes. Yeah. He went to, he was... they went to what, the Grammys together? Yeah, and they Grammys. went to some events, yeah. And, and With Webster. This is the other part. Yes, that was the other thing that I wanted to point out, which they did not get into. They no. went to the Grammys together and... Michael Jackson held a grown man in his arms, Emmanuel Lewis. Emmanuel Lewis was an adult male who had what would whatever that kidney some genetic disorder. No, I remember Webster well. Yes, and so and I'm speechless. (laughs) This is you know welcome to the 1980s where Michael Jackson (laughs) brings Brooke Shields. And a grown man, and then holds him. 
the entire time. Yeah, like a like baby. Like him like a baby to the Grammys. Oh, my I God. Mean, and and we all thought that was man. okay. We all thought that was fine. But <laughs> Jenny, so the, way, the way Brooke talked about it, she was like, we were kind of like kids. I feel like there was a whole bunch of arrested development happening. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that crew. <laughs> but then he didn't he say that they were dating didn't he tell yeah, the press did, yeah he told oprah yeah. and that's heavily when... involved in a lot of this documentary <laughs> yeah yeah and then she called i guess this is where she loses her virginity she's dating dean kane who also dean went to princeton kane. Yes, yes and she calls him calls up michael jackson and says um excuse me i'm here with my boyfriend stop telling people that we're a couple well it's so weird because when you see the the first pictures of them hanging out michael jackson looks like thriller michael or like bad michael jackson right like mm-hmm. from the bad album or beat it and then you see him in that interview and he's starting to change his appearance a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did that happen quickly? Like, I can't remember, but it does now looking back seem like it only took a couple of years to happen. It wasn't oh, yeah. like a that, decades long thing. Well, and that Oprah interview happened after the first accusation of child, of child abuse. It. And he, that mm-hmm. was like him coming on and doing a lot of PR like I'm fine yeah. I'm normal no I'm dating a woman I'm not you know yeah, I have blah, sex blah, with blah, grown blah, women blah. Yeah. yeah yeah that was him trying to cover his cover himself a lot so right right and that's why he blurted that out but oh yeah my gosh. It, was, it was really strange yeah um so then her career is in the toilet after college because she was gone for too long. Like she just dropped out of the scene, you know, became irrelevant, replaced by somebody else. Who knows? So then begins the press narrative of has your career peaked? Are you over? Are you Uncle Rico? You peaked in high school. Like, you know, is it is it done? And during this time, she's trying to get back into the scene. So she takes a dinner with someone who essentially rapes her. Oh, my God. She mm-hmm. never says. Do we know who that is? Mm-mm. No, we don't know if he's a director, or producer, Can we or was it writer. I thought they said he was a Hollywood no. producer because she. I, I, it was this whole dinner was under the guise of him casting her or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was something, and she said he was a friend. And so I was like going back through my scumbag list of directors. Like, <laughs> could it have been Zeffirelli? Could it have been somebody? You know, it could have been anybody. Yeah. I mean, I it know, truly but, could have been anybody, but it she's, really she's never said who it was. Mm-hmm. And she tells Gavin, who's on my, not a scumbag list. Gavin, oh, I love Becker, him. head of security, yeah. loved him. He's, he's written a few, a few books, really yeah. great books. Really oh, good. really? Yeah. Yeah. Books on, um, I think, is it the gift of fear? Hmm. He's a good writer. Yeah. Writer. yeah. It's like about trying to keep yourself safe, keep your kids mm-hmm. safe and not be okay. like crazy about it. First of all, she didn't really understand what understand what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And this happens a lot. Like when you're sexually assaulted, you don't know what happened and you need to make sense of it. So she calls Gavin. She's explaining what happened. He's like, you were raped. Like that's rape. And he starts to cry when mm-hmm. he's talking about it. And he says, you know, I spent so much time protecting Brooke, literally, and I was angry and I was upset and, you know, I really didn't want to see this happen. It was really, it was really moving that he mm-hmm. cared for her that deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So then she gets married to Andre Agassi, which I totally forgot about. Did you get yeah. where she said they, their beginning of their relationship, they were faxing each other? Yes. <laughs> I, I just want to state for anyone who is of a younger generation listening, this was not a thing. This was not, not a thing. Fax. No. You fax. Why, couldn't they, why couldn't they talk on the phone? I didn't understand well, that. Well, because she was in the Africa. Faxing. She yeah, was in a, in oh, a movie the, the set t- in Africa? Yeah, I guess. This is is years later. Isn't it? It, it, I don't know. Fax machines were, remember, Brooke, when our mom got a fax machine and she just wanted everyone to fax her? Like, (laughs) maybe it was a novelty. Like, they both got fax machines. It was very very exciting when you heard heard that, ooh, ooh, a fax is coming, a fax is coming. (laughs) So this is 1996, and he immediately starts to insinuate himself into mm-hmm. her career and her life. He uh, tells her, you know, if you want to be an actress again, be an actress, like get an agent and start your career over again. And she does. And then I wrote um, somehow this new marriage ties into her cutting her mom out of her life, but then they get into how he was very controlling and yeah. he sort of, she was absorbed into his life. So yeah. Well, yeah, um, he just he just replaces her mom essentially, yes. right? Like yes. he comes in and says, "You can act. Focus on this. Do this, this, and this." And then he he you know basically tells her what to do, and she she finally does the thing that she should have done many years ago, but he does it for her, so she doesn't have to do it. And then now she's and and I thought what she said was very interesting when he started to get upset with her and started to control her. It was so normal for her, which is a very classic sign of adult children of alcoholics. They get into these very abusive, controlling relationships because it's all they know. They're like, oh, this is love. Love They recognize it. Love is being controlled. Love is being told what to do. Love is abuse. And so they have, she, she claims like she tries to reach her mother and just can't like, in other words, she wants to take the reins of her career away from her mother, and her mm-hmm. mother's not cooperating. So she's Andre, a grown adult at this point. Yeah, she yeah. is. So Andre and a couple of I almost said his goons, Andre and goons <laughs> guys, tennis goons go in and they clear out, you know, the mother's office building and stuff while she's not there. And you could tell Brooke like this still bothers Brooke. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think in retrospect, um, she regrets it. Because she says, you know, I can't imagine what that must have been like for my mother. And, you know, you can almost see like the competing. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like she regrets being controlled by Andre Agassi Agassi, as much as she can regrets being controlled by her mother. Like there are two competing regrets Mm -hmm. there. Yes. Yes. So um, she also says, I could not have gotten away from my mother without somebody like Andre Agassi. Like, I needed somebody to come in and make these real tough decisions. Then she gets Grease on Broadway, and we have the return of Gregory, the choreography, the choreographer from the Pam Anderson doc, who I adored. I love these, I like, these like comebacks on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is like the career formula, right? <laughs> if you're kind of like a washed up star, Go yeah. come back yeah. on Broadway and show people you're actually funny. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Then she's on Friends and she stars as Joey's stalker girlfriend, which I remembered mm-hmm. that episode yes. very well. And um, 
she realizes like during this stint that she has good comedic instincts. Like there's a laugh that she wants to put in that Martha Kaufman was like, no, 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 don't put that in. But then it actually killed on camera. So like things like that, she's learning that comedy might be something that she could do. And after this scene where she's like kissing Joey Tribbiani's hand and la la la, Andre Agassi flies into a rage and goes home and smashes off his precious trophies. <laughs> no, he doesn't, does he? Uh, yes. yes. He smashes trophies? Yes. Yeah, his trophies. His, his yeah, trophies. his Wimbledon yeah. trophy, which seemed insane yeah. to me. Like, why are you smashing your own trophies? <laughs> Jenny, how long would it take me to smash my trophy? Oh, you mean the one that I made for you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was looking. I don't I don't know what I did with it. I probably threw it in the trash. Um, well, yeah, what's up? This is the same thing Tommy Lee did to to Pam Anderson yes. when, you know, yeah. on the set. It's like, what is wrong with these people? Like, this is, it's, it's pretend. And don't they understand what an actor does? Yeah. yeah, like, God. Yeah, yeah. So then, I mean, think about Jennifer Aniston had to sit there and watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Okay. <laughs> so you want to talk about the difference between how a man and a woman respond. Um, so then she gets suddenly Susan. And, I have a question. I yes. was, for like five minutes into this, I'm like, God, I, I remembered this so incorrectly. I was thinking it was desperately seeking Susan, which is a really <laughs> different thing. That's Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember this being a comedy. Very different. <laughs> I just wrote, uh, Judd Nelson, is that you in yes. that big man suit? Oh my like, God. He's wearing an yeah. enormous suit. He looks I don't know so different. Happened. Oh God, yeah, with the goatee and the bald head. I mean, and and I I don't know, Judd Nelson. You have not aged well. No, he hasn't. But he has earned a place on my not a scumbag list. No, okay, well, well that's yeah. Good. No, he's a gem. Yeah, I I deem him acceptable. So he um he's talking about the show getting canceled, and then she meets Chris Henchy, who she's still married to. Mm-hmm. And we see him at the end. Like a very normal human being. Mm -hmm. He seems lovely. Mm -hmm. Her dad gets diagnosed with cancer. We don't really talk much about the dad. Like, we don't know how long he lived for after that. We don't hear much about him. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, Brooke struggles with infertility. Now, so now we get into the, the second, the meat mm-hmm. of her story, which is her struggles with infertility, her journey through IVF, which she had a horrific miscarriage. She had a lot of trauma mm-hmm. around her pregnancy and her birth. So she has a miscarriage. They do seven IVF transfers. Finally, wow. it takes. That's yeah. her daughter, Rowan. She, you know, is all set to have this beautiful birth experience. She ends up having to have an emergency C-section. She labors for 24 hours. She had blood loss. They didn't know if she was going to live. She was at risk. The baby is very traumatic. And Tess, maybe you can speak to this, like, is that often a forebearer of postpartum depression, like having a traumatic birth or there is there no correlation there really? I mean, this is not really my area of expertise. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, childbirth, people that are doulas and experts in this area, they will tell you that childbirth in general is a traumatic experience, both for yeah. the mother and for the baby. And so I can imagine all of this leading up to it created a lot of trauma uh, for sure. But to be honest, I don't know why it hit her the way it did. Yeah. It just did. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I have no, I have no idea, but now, I can, I mean, I, I didn't know anything. I, I knew about the postpartum depression part of it. Yeah. I didn't know that she had such a hard time. I mean, seven transfers. Me so either. What, so, I mean, can you, because I've had that's clients a lot of hormones, a lot of that. Yeah, you know, that's the other lot. part of it, too. That's what I was going to say. And so when we heard her talking, you know, late, we'll get into this later. But, you know, the amount of hormones in your body, the transfers, you know, you have to wait a month in between. But I've had clients that have had, um, you know, they take the eggs out and, you know, put them back mm-hmm. in. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot on your body. You have to wait a little bit in between each one. But it's still like every other month you're getting jacked up with hormones, getting eggs put in, your 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 hopes come up, expectations, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. they then maybe you're having a miscarriage. So that's what, three, four years of that. And then you're anxious. That's the other part of it too. If you've had that many, mis- if you've had transfers miscarriages your body has had so much anxiety then you finally are gonna you've had this baby you're at the end the birth is this very high anxiety thing now you have the baby you finally come home i can imagine that that must have come crashing down that feeling of all of it yeah and, and i think you know just 
people I know anecdotally who've suffered with infertility, you just have these expectations Mm -hmm. that it's going to be an amazing experience once you hold this baby in your arms. And for many mothers, it's not. Yeah. You know, it kind of sucks. Like those first few weeks suck. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that if you, you felt those two competing feelings that you're like, there must be something broken. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. something's wrong that I'm not feeling that. I don't yeah. know. That's my opinion. And Tom Cruise comes in and straightens everybody <laughs> out. I was going to say, well, doesn't Tom Cruise have you know, straight on that? Yes. On, what's, <laughs> on what's going on, you know, because there's no such thing as um, postpartum psychosis, according to him. There's no such thing as clini- as a, as chemical imbalance, depression. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or And he so, doesn't believe in psychiatry. It's a, it's a hoax. Obviously, he doesn't believe in psychiatry. So an agent wants her to tell her story. He's like, dude, you got to tell this story. Like so many people are going to relate to it. You're going to help so many women. Nobody's ever really talked about this before. And then, you know, what does Tom Cruise think? Asks no one. <laughs> Is he on the list, Dave? He's on the list. But Jenny, oh. you know, I have complicated feelings around Tom Cruise. <laughs> I'm sorry. When Tom Cruise is saying there's no such thing as chemical imbalance and there's no and that this is misinformation, like that didn't age well. Like what world, mm-hmm. world are we in oh, now? Oh, God. And saying I, it to Matt Lauer. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> another, such, another another one for your list. Scumbag. <laughs> He's on my list. I have. Here's the full list. Gary Gross. Randall Kleiser. Director Zeffirelli, Calvin Klein's Hugh Downs, Louis Small, Tom Cruise, Matt Lauer, and Andre Agassi. Okay. That's my list. But I'm open for entries onto the list because there's many more. But my thing with Tom Cruise is just keep your mouth shut. You, you are beautiful. Yeah. Just keep it shut. The minute he opens that mouth, it's like I just want to smash him into a thousand pieces. Yeah. We covered Top Gun and I was like, 1986 Tom Cruise. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> and I hated myself for it. There was a lot of self-loathing throughout that entire podcast as I fawned over him. But when I see him like this, it's like, that's why everybody hates him. Yeah. Because he's an idiot. So Brooke responds as a true academic with the New York Times. She comes for him in the New York mm-hmm. Times. Mm-hmm. Love it. And she even writes in there, like, maybe he should just stick to fighting aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's what we're all she, thinking. Yeah. And this was all around her book, which I'm a sucker for, you know, being a writer, I'm a sucker for a good book name. Mm-hmm. And the name of her book on postpartum was Down Came the Rain. And I thought mm-hmm. that was beautiful and spot on. So the interview is between two creeps, Tom Cruise and Matt Lauer. They're talking about a woman's <laughs> mental health. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, and was he, he was there. I think he was there to like promote a movie or something. Yes. Yeah. And then yes. all of a sudden he gets on this. Yes. on this topic and 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 just runs with it and i mean mm-hmm. i were those his words that he actually said like there is no there's no yep. um, yes. basis for this there's no basis of fact yep. i mean i just i just wrote down god fucking tom cruise <laughs> do you know i just remember thinking to myself did you even go, you didn't even go to college do you have a medical <laughs> no. degree are no, you a this woman is all that scientology no. shit yeah, he's yeah. a scientologist it's just, it's just nuts it's just nuts. nuts so i am i am so thrilled that she wrote that op-ed piece and this is the part where back to what i was saying in the beginning about how her impact is like you forget, right? Like, oh, that's right. She did go through this postpartum depression yes. piece. And, oh, she did write this book. And, oh, yeah, it did make a big impact. And she did have this big thing with Tom Cruise. That's yes. right. 
And then you see her in those Oprah interviews and you're like, God, she looked fabulous in her thirties. You know, each time, each time you're like, God, she was so beautiful then. And then you see her, God, she's 40 now and she looks fabulous. And you know, she's falling down in the, in the suddenly Susan and she looks great. Like, Oh, I love her hair like this. I mean, every iteration, it's like so beautiful. I have have written down in big capital letters. I love her glasses. Mm-hmm. Like the the thin wired ones that look almost like aviators. <laughs> I'm like, wow, those are awesome glasses. Um, so Oprah says that they received a ton. So she has Brooke back on, mm-hmm. and she's like, we received a ton of letters from women all across the country thanking you for sharing your story, talking about you know their own stories. Like Oprah does her best to kind of, uh, you know. Be yeah. on Brooke's side here, even though she lets Tom Cruise jump on her couch later. We all remember that. <laughs> yeah. So Brooke even got some legislation passed to yes. like study postpartum yeah. depression. And then she has Greer. Greer's her other daughter. So now her mother gets diagnosed with dementia and they put her into a facility. And Brooke is saying like, there was never a goodbye or an I love you. There was never any closure. She said she used to believe that when her mother died, she would die, mm. which is a whole level of enmeshment. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the mom just dies, right? Like she doesn't even really kind of, the mom just kind of fades away, which is so interesting because she was such a force in Brooke's life. And to just kind of go out with a whimper at the end is is really wild i think you could tell there's still a lot of guilt there though yeah i agree there's a lot of guilt about it even though she shouldn't i agree so then we see her in present day and she's saying her daughter greer is a teen now and wants to model and brooke was opposed but figured you know if she's gonna like she's gonna do it anyway I might as well be there to guide her make sure she's not taken advantage of don't let her do you know nude photos for this creep whatever (laughs) and we see them having dinner as a family and this dinner is so great i loved it i thought the conversation was so good i mean just what a great choice by the director to just let that dinner play out and to have that conversation i'm sure they were prodded to have that conversation but i don't think what was you know happening was very written or scripted Mm -hmm. like the daughters like like you were saying earlier jenny Brooke just says, you know, my daughters are just so in their skin. Like they just are who they are. And I have 16 year old daughters and I can attest to this. Like they, they have no qualms about talking to an an authoritative male with, with oomph and gusto. And it's like, I never would have been able to do that as a young woman. Well, I think it's interesting too, that they, they can describe immediately what was wrong with pretty baby and what was wrong with that situation. And even Brooke, kind of doesn't she defends mm-hmm. it a little bit yeah but she like, was they're defensive like, you weren't about old it. enough to yeah they're like, she, she's like they're like you weren't old enough to consent that that was the problem but before that she, they were saying like she was trying to say it was art and it's not different than social media well it was, it was after, after that, they said no, no no we consent yeah. to put our own pictures on social media but are you the results consent. the same i guess was the, how that conversation the direction that conversation went into like we understand that the consent model is not correct, but is the result the same? I thought that was an interesting, like, segue of these well, they like, talked about, girls they, putting themselves on it. 
Yeah, they talked about agency and like having agency and control over what they post on social media. And, you know, throughout the whole documentary, that was her whole thing is she had no agency ever in her life. And it was very interesting that I I really did think she was um, kind of defensive about everything, the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they were trying to educate her. And yeah, when she said, what's wrong with pretty baby? um, They were trying to explain to her about... um, how now like you have 22 year olds playing a 16 year old because it's not, they can't have a 16 year old doing these things. So it's, you know, on, it's just too, you know, on multiple levels, but yeah, I thought they were really, um, you know, really schooling her about, you know, that all (laughs) this stuff that happened to you was bad and wrong. And, you know, she doesn't, I mean, it's hard though. That was her life. She doesn't want to admit that. Right. Uh, well, her and life I think was just so screwed up. And I think yeah. underlying that is an element of she still has this knee-jerk, deep instinct to protect her mother, oh, and mother, all of these yeah. decisions yeah. were her mother's. So right. I think there's still that sense of I need to protect my mother. I need to protect my mother. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me of having conversations with my girls. Like, Tess, you and I talked about this for that article I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Gen Z is just so they know what they want, yeah. like they know how to articulate it. They're they put everything out there. Everything is a shared experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, and these girls were just they were so it it just made me really feel like I don't worry about this upcoming generation of women. I really don't worry no. about them. I'm excited. I have to Mm -hmm. say it makes me so excited. I go on social media. I see, I see what's happening. I love, I see more and more young people just getting on there, you know, especially with what's happening in Tennessee. politically. I love seeing these young people being like, you know, time's up and you thought Mm -hmm. we were going to lay down. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you stick it to the man. You do it. Kids, you know, yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, I love it. And it just makes me so, so happy um to see what they're doing. But yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that for Brooke to accept that everything that happened was wrong and what is to basically admit that her mom made poor choices mm-hmm. and that she was a victim. I mean, mm-hmm. even when she talks about the rape, she still can't see that as something that you know, that her, her simply saying no was, that's a black and white issue. Mm-hmm. You know, minute you said no, it's, it's done. There's no gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, what I think is really quick, what I think is really interesting is she must've done a tremendous amount of work because I look at her husband now and he's so, I, he seems to be just right for her yeah. because he's in the business, he's in the industry, um, and I know he produces and, and writes for a lot of like Will Ferrell movies. And so he's obviously yeah, very he funny. Wrote, what was that movie with, or what was that sitcom with Michael uh, J. Fox? Spin, Spin City. City. Spin oh, City. He, did he that. wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's obviously talented and he's got a business, mm-hmm. so he doesn't need her money. He's not yeah. l- latch onto her. Um, but he's obviously, you know, very mild mannered. He's just kind of sitting there. He's like outnumbered with all these women. Um, but he seems like a kind of a good guy. So I'm like, wow, you must have done a lot of work on yourself to yeah. sort of pick him yep. after yeah. your mom and Agassi. Like, how oh, did yes. you get here? Yeah. You know, I wanted to know more about that. Like, yeah. cause it was just sort of like, oh, I was on the set and I met this guy and I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're here. Okay. I I really loved the husband just ping-ponging back and forth, watching mm-hmm. the conversation, not saying a word. 
That is my husband <laughs> yeah. all the time yeah. when the three of us are going at it. You know, he's yeah. just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. okay. Um, so then it kind of ends with her talking about like having daughters changed me because they taught me to have my have agency, which I thought was really a nice note to end on. And then we find out she started a wellness company, and I just wrote, "Please don't be goop." Please don't be like no. Oh, Please so. don't be like Goop. <laughs> Please don't be Goop. <laughs> and that and that's where we we see her. And I did look at this wellness company, and yeah, I don't know it? what's going on there. It looks like they sell workout clothes. Do we really oh, need really? another wellness company from another <laughs> no. celebrity? But she said it's for women over forty. Yeah. So I I would you know as a woman over forty and soon to be fifty. Um, you know, I, I would appreciate something that would be, I don't know, you know, vitamins or something maybe geared towards that, you know, but I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't need goop. I didn't need any of this. Like, <laughs> do we really need this? Work? The world does not need goop. I mean, we just don't. Her company is called Beginning is Now. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to understand the website. It looks like they just sell workout clothes and then there's like, Let's start the conversation, but it's all just a bunch of articles and blogs. Hmm. So I don't know what's happening. I I thought I agree, Tess. I was looking for like, are there supplements? Are there? But I don't see any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening. But I found a good wellness site through work. It's a it's Electra Health. Have you heard of it? Are they a sponsor? They they focus. What? (laughs) Are they a sponsor? Why are we talking about No, they're not. No, they're not. Mm -hmm. They focus Mm -hmm. on menopause, though. And you know how I'm always talking about menopause. Jenny's always talking about menopause. (laughs) Jenny, are you in the Gen X menopause group? No. That I invited you to on Facebook? No. No, I did not see that. Okay. All right. I'm going to invite you again. I I understand the words coming out of your mouth. (laughs) All right, so so overall, let's go around and just get final thoughts. Did this change your opinion about Brooke Shields? What did you think? Jenny, we'll start with you. Go ahead. Um, I didn't know a lot about her, I realized. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that stuck with me about her is her eyebrows, which she says, I don't know why my eyebrows were a thing. Because I had really bushy eyebrows when I was a kid, so I was like delighted yeah. when Brooke Shields came along, or <laughs> when I became aware of Brooke Shields. Um, but I thought... I thought I didn't know about all the work she did on postpartum. I thought that was super awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I had the same epiphany that I had after the Pamela Anderson documentary. Like, yeah. Because we didn't think of, like, no one heard about the stories of these people. They weren't whole people. They were just, you know, they were pinups and models and movie stars. And it's really nice to hear a full rounded story. Also, I think that uh, this whole documentary left me feeling like after the conversation with our kids that. Like we're in good hands with the girls we raised, not me, y'all. I was gonna say <laughs> Jenny. I didn't raise any kids, but like our generation <laughs> raised these girls, right? So like when we see them, yeah. when we see Gen Z doing these great things, like you know, Gen X did that. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. yeah. Brooke, would you like to weigh in? Um. Yeah. So yeah, I, like I said at the beginning, I feel like I grew up with her. You know, I just I feel like I know her, and now I know even more about her, and I have even more respect for her. You know, I feel badly for all, you know, the strange things that happened to her. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's really come out great. You know, you know, like we're, she has a great husband, great kids, a great life. Um, and so she's amazing. <laughs> she is amazing. I agree. She is. And the, the documentary was hard to watch, though. I, I just remember being a little shell shocked after that first part, <laughs> part one. Baby. 
Yeah. I mean, because like I knew about Pretty yeah. Baby, but I didn't really know all the details. I really didn't realize how young she was and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it was upsetting in ways, but also like, hey, you know, it had a happy ending. And yeah. Um, and yeah, and I and I do I do think Gen X, we can take credit for we raise these kids, you know, all these kids that are going <laughs> to hopefully turn things around here. You know, um, they were uh, taught all these things. So we can pat ourselves on the back for that. Yeah. Tess? Yes. Um, like Brooke, this Brooke, my sister Brooke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Brooke, I, I do start in a movie at night. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I also felt like I grew up with Brooke Shields and she was part of um, the world. And, and where I felt like the 70s and, you know, was and 80s were really about blondes and she was this brunette beauty and having dark hair i you know loved her and thought she was so beautiful <laughs> and continue to think she's beautiful and i love that she has not done anything weird to her face yes i love that mm -hmm. she is aging naturally i love that mm -hmm. and yes i think that it is incredible that she's not an alcoholic or an yeah. addict that she has not had some massive you know, problem with substances and that she's, and I'm very, very happy that she's out the other side, that she, you know, has this husband, that she's got these two kids. And, um, yeah, I remember all of these things that was talked, that were talked about in the documentary. Um, I remember it was just seeing them all together and then you're like, wow, she's lived a million lifetimes. Yeah. And yeah. it's crazy to see and all in the public eye. And, she mentions this at one point where she's like, people think they know me because they've been watching me grow up, but they don't really know me. And I think that that's true, which is we all think we know who she is, but we don't really, you know? Yeah. You yeah. Know? But this is what she's experienced and we can take away our opinions. Um, but I'm, you know, I feel like I know her a little better. I feel like, was I living under a rock in the 90s? Like what was happening that I didn't, I, I didn't understand, I guess, until I hit maybe 35, which was 10 years ago now, that the level of exploitation of women in our culture, mm -hmm. like we kind of talked about it in my circles, but like I didn't really know what was happening. And I'm so glad that these, these documentaries are coming out and shining this bright light on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this is how we treated women. This is why, you know, even the part that we were talking about where we learned why they start sexualizing young girls. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And it was really interesting. Um, so I learned a lot and I, I agree with you, Jenny. Like, I feel like we're in good hands with this younger generation. They have some challenges, but I think, you know, they're, they're strong women. I don't think we're going to mm -hmm. have too many issues. Um, I would like to just finish my not scumbag list just to make sure I get everybody in here. So who's not a scumbag? Gavin DeBecker, the security dude, Judd Nelson, Brooke's new husband, Brooke's daughters, Drew Barrymore, and Laura Linney. So that's what I have. Amen. Yes. All right, guys. So why don't you tell us where, why don't you tell people where they can find you, what you're doing on your podcast, and the best way platform to connect? Okay. So our podcast is called Psych Legal Pop. So you can find us if you go to Apple um, and just search for Psych Legal Pop. We uh, release a podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. So every Tuesday we are doing a Sister Wives Rewind Rewatch and we do talk about gossip. 
Um, so we, uh, we do that. And then on Thursdays we talk about right now we're doing love is blind. It's finishing up, uh, to, as we record this tonight, and then um, we're going to move on to other documentaries. We do a lot of documentaries like this one and yeah. other shows. Um, we still need to figure out what we're going to do upcoming. Um, please follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Instagram at PsychLegalPop and TikTok at PsychLegalPop. Um, yeah. So if you enjoyed us here, please come check us out at our podcast. I have to say, I was listening to your episode the other day. It was probably the Sister Wives Rewind. And you guys got a real case of the giggles over some fentanyl. And oh, God. <laughs> I was laughing hysterical. I was like, I never hear them laugh like this. Like, you could not control yourselves. <laughs> Yeah, to be clear, we weren't on. Yeah, we weren't on fentanyl when we were talking about our past experiences with you know medical procedures. Yeah, well, fentanyl is good stuff. I have to say, I was like, I I went back there for a moment of how how good it was, but it was, you know, there's nothing as gripping as an episode of television where someone's getting a colonoscopy. That's the one where Mary gets her colonoscopy, right? What do you guys? Yeah, we had to lighten the mood. Yeah. What do you think yes. of Christine getting engaged? Too <gasps> soon or are we happy? Well, huh, I know. mean, I'm happy for her. I'm happy for I'm her. Happy. I do, yeah. I mean, I, listen, I think in the faith and, all, you know, I don't know what, uh, you, you know, I think, I think they, the two of them have been apparently been dating a lot more than they've been public. So I yeah. think, I think yeah. they've been dating much longer than we all know. I am a firm believer in dating and being with someone for a full year before you make any, like before you move in, before you make any commitments. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, I'm happy for her. If she's happy, she's happy. Like go for it, Christine. Somewhere, somewhere Cody's kidneys are, are really suffering. Oh yeah. (laughs) This is a knife to the kidneys. This is a knife to the And you know what, when, when you're that age, I feel like, you know, you've been through a lot of shit and you know what you want, you know what yeah, you don't yeah. want. And yeah. if someone comes along and they fit what you want, why are you waiting? What, waiting yep. for what? Why not? So mm-hmm. I'm thrilled for both of them. And we're going to talk more about this on our uh, Sister Wives episode. And they also just yeah. bought a house together. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's very um, exciting. So. Tess, it's interesting that you say you should wait a year. Jenny thinks you should wait a decade before committing to anything. <laughs> <laughs> So I moved in with my first husband after two years, but we were engaged for 11. <laughs> we did get married. Well, are you we still together? No. no. No, no. And now she'll wait two decades before committing to anyone else. <laughs> now it'll be two decades. All right, guys. Thanks yes. so much. This was a blast. I, I hope we can do it again soon. All right, guys. And if you haven't already, check out Jenny and I on Gen X This Is Why, where we Throw up episodes when we feel like it. There is really no schedule anymore. <laughs> so the whole house is over. We're just whatever. And uh, if you haven't already, check out our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Gen X. This is why. Thanks so much, and we'll see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 